Hey, Pioneers. Welcome to episode number 390. Today's episode, we are going to be diving into raw milk and specifically the difference between A2A2 milk and A1. So if you've ever heard the, that term before, I know for some of you that will be familiar, you've probably heard people talk about A2A2 milk, but for others, that might not be something that you've ever heard, or maybe you've heard someone say A2 milk, but you didn't really know what that meant. So in today's episode, we are going to dive into that. And I love today's guest, well, for many reasons, as you will find out as we go through this episode, but I also love her story on her health journey, how she became aware of A2, A2 milk, the role that that played in her healing and how it is, has shaped her entire business and livelihood and has also allowed her to help other people on their healing journey. So without further ado, I am going to be introducing you to Katie Milhorn from Milhorn Farmstead. Katie is a dear friend of mine. She is my dairy mentor. And Katie is also my co-founder and partner with the Modern Homesteading Conference. And Katie is one of the largest, if not the largest, female raw dairy owner of dairies and operators in Idaho, which is the state that Katie is in. She is a wealth of information. And we dive into her health journey and story, talking about A2A2, what it is, why it's right for some people, uh, the history there. But when Katie and I get together and start talking about cows, we just can't help ourselves. It's one of our favorite subjects. We have been known when we get together to sit and talk about cows and farming and raising them for hours. So I'm super excited for you to get to meet Katie and also get this information and hear it. So if you are watching this on YouTube, welcome. We are just getting started with posting the podcast episodes on YouTube. So welcome if you're discovering us there. If you're listening to this the old fashioned way uh, through headphones, through an app, usually on, on your phone, then you can go to the blog post, which will be linked beneath the video version at melissaknorris.com forward slash 390, 390 in numerical, melissaknorris.com forward slash 390, because this is episode number 390. And you will find the written uh, transcript of this episode as well as additional links. So without further ado, let's get straight in to this interview. Hey, Katie, welcome Hi. officially to the Pioneering Today podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I know. It's funny, you and I talk almost daily. Mm -hmm. And when I got my milk cow, bless your heart, I think you answered 501 texts and voice messages in the space of 24 hours. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like everybody should already know you just because you're such a huge part of my life. So I'm excited to have you on. Well, I'm excited to be here and I was excited to be able to answer your questions. And, you know, I have a, I have a dairy friend who's my mentor also, and I couldn't do what I do without him. So, you know, every, everybody needs that, that text, you know, so I was very happy to do it. Thank you. And I'm excited though today, one for people to hear your story, but also because I feel like I have a very rudimentary understanding of A2A2 mm -hmm. and and what that 
exactly what it is and why certain people need it and why a lot of people are finding that and seeking it out. But a lot of people also don't know what it is. In fact, funny story, I was at a grocery store that did have, uh, they had raw milk. It was not H2A2, but they had raw milk. And this was before I had Clover and found my current source. So I could go there and she was on the phone and I was waiting for her to check me out. And she's like, um, it, you, you want what kind of milk? Uh. And then I heard her say, a2, A2. And you, she put the customer on hold and she's looking around for one of the other cashiers and she's like, do we have A2, A2 milk? And I'm like, no, you don't. You no. don't. <laughs> because it would be prominently displayed and mm -hmm. I've already looked up where your source is and it's raw milk, but it's not A2, A2. She's like, yeah. oh, he thinks. And so she tells the customer, um, but she had no idea what it was. And so I gave her just like this real brief, you know, but I'm like, oh, I'm glad she didn't ask me any more questions because I'm not sure I could have answered them correctly. So Obviously, we're going to be talking about raw milk and A2A2, but yeah. what led you down that down the path of discovering what it was? So my rabbit hole to the A2 was I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease in my early 30s and um, and, and quite, quite unhealthy, um, you know, stuck in bed. My mom was taking care of my kids. My husband was in the harvest and um I had gone to the rheumatologist and we were doing steroids and injectable anti-inflammatories. And I reached this point in my, my treatment where uh, I was feeling really good and I was improving, but he was no longer allowed to give me as much steroids anymore because my body, my kidneys can handle it. And so he gave me a, a, another option and said, you know, it's a, a tumor shrinking agent. And in the terms he used was, was the big red flag for me and went home and researched it and decided that was not right for our family. And, you know, my husband, and I really went down this, um, this Google of, you know, autoimmune diseases have been around for, you know, a hundred years plus, but we've been healing ourselves without chemotherapy without steroids without anti-inflammatories for for thousands so you know what what factor is it in there that that i was missing in my day-to-day -day? you know why at 31 years old was i stuck needing iv therapy and you know there's a, a million different diets but we really came down to you know everything in our in our home at that point was was toxic and we really didn't notice you know we we lived a very very clean what we thought was clean lifestyle you know we always had a, a whole beef in the freezer right i canned our own food um you know we live we live out in the country and i didn't realize that you know the chemical in the toothpaste was making me flare i didn't realize that my shampoo was making me flare i didn't realize that the taco seasoning was making me flare and i sure didn't realize that the dairy was making me flare and as soon as I went on this really strict elimination diet, uh, dairy, unfortunately, was one of my biggest triggers. And as like, I'm a, you know, Pacific Northwest person. So that means Tillamook, like Tillamook <laughs> is my favorite thing. I love cheese. And to find out that like, could commercial cheese and commercial dairy be actually be making me sick? It, it was really like, no, there's no way I eat organic tomatoes, you know? And and so I went into this, this rabbit hole of, you know, okay, why 200 years ago were, were people able to drink dairy? Why 50 years ago were people able to drink dairy? And now every single person had, has a reaction. 
And in my healing process, you know, of course I needed certain foods in my diet and that was, you know, a, a grass fed beef. I needed corn free, soy free poultry and I needed a, a raw milk and raw milk I could get. We do have, you know, several raw milk farms around here. I didn't have any milk cows at that time. And then, you know, it persisted of, you know, well, I'm still sick with the raw milk, but so there has to be some other, other component. And like so many people, you know, they can drink the commercial milk just fine. And some people can drink raw milk just fine, but some people absolutely cannot drink either. And so for me, it was, there's, there's something else, you know, and um, then I learned about the A2 gene and in, and it's as confusing as it is, it's really not. It's, it's pretty simple, you know? So when we first started domesticating dairy cows, you know, we were, they were brought here and, you know, the first Holstein was like 1852 off of a sailboat in Massachusetts or something. And, you know, they, they started bringing more and more in and we were commercializing them. And in the, back then, you know, everybody had a family cow. And then as soon as World War II hit, then, you know, the women went back to work and they had no time for the family milk cow. So they started relying on going to the grocery store and, you know, and, and working all at, all at the same time. And as we, commercial dairies needed more milk in the grocery store to supply all the Americans that were working, they got more Holsteins. And Holsteins are not, I don't want to put them as like shaming them because um, there are certain cows that that have this A2 gene and there are certain cows that are that do not have it. Um, the reason commercially so many people say, you know, pasteurized commercial milk is is a one is because Holsteins in, in general have like a 26 to 50 percent likelihood that they are they are A2. So if you think about all the commercial dairies in the U.S., the majority of them are going to be an A1 cow. So that's where we get the, you know, the, the common conception that, you know, all, all commercial milk is A1. It's not, it is blended with, with an A2. We just, you know, there's no way you test for it. And it's, it's so dominant with the A1 gene. And in really what that A1 gene and A2 gene is at the cow's six chromosome, there's the amino acid chain. And on the 67th of the 206 amino acid chain, there's a mutation. And that mutation, when you digest it, it's called, it's called A1. So old fashioned milk is all A2. So grandma's milk, your, your old neighbor's milk, growing up milk that you could digest, more than likely, that was A2 because that was the family milk cow. That wasn't a largely commercial Holsteins. Most family cows were not Holsteins. They were, they were Jerseys, they were Guernseys. And so the A2 gene is easily digestible and we don't have issues with it. We, you know, I say people don't have lactose intolerant with it. Um, the A1 gene, when you digest it, what happens is it actually develops what's called BCM7. And that little bugger is, is the issue. And especially with people with a gut health issue, which the majority of our common, you know, human diet, we don't have proper gut health. Yeah. And that's where you get digestive issues from dairy. That's where you get 
um, rashes from dairy and even neurological, you know, forgetfulness and behavior issues with dairy. And it's that BCM7 that, that really is to blame. And, you know, it's, it's really hard to, with, with anything that has a healing mechanism or somebody has found studies of a healing mechanism, there's equal amount of conflict with it. You know, and so that's why some people are, I mean, you're either pro A2 or you don't know about it or you are anti A2. And, you know, for your, your lady in the, the grocery store, do we have A2 milk? Let me tell you, if a dairy farm has A2 milk, they you know advertise it. it. That's they what I told her. <laughs> so when people, you know, say like, oh, I don't know if my cows are A2 or, you know, they do. Like if you are in the raw milk business, like, you know, if your cows are A2 because you want to promote it because it is it's so vastly different and your clientele is is hugely different too. And so are the the margins. So, you know, your your common your common cows, your family milk cows, they're more than likely A2. Okay. But, so that was one of my questions mm -hmm. is are there more breed specific that mm -hmm. as long as they're not crossed, obviously like they're they're whole, um, purebred is what I actually meant to say. Um, that they're more likely percentage wise to be a two, a two, or you're like, Oh no, if they are hundred percent Jersey or hundred percent Guernsey, then they are a two, a two, or can there be still percentages where it's higher likelihood they're a two, a two, if they're those breeds, just like with the Holstein, cause you said that there could be 26 mm -hmm. to 50% mm -hmm. could be a two, a two, but you have a, also a very large portion that could be a one, a one. Um, does that, is that true for the other breeds? Like, can you just say, Oh, if you've got hundred percent Jersey, then your A2A2? Is that? No, you, unfortunately, you, you can't say it and you can't okay. tell by even looking at a dairy cow. And, you know, in the entire world, there's like 920 different dairy cows and breeds of dairy cows. But, you know, in the United States, there's six that are the most common. You know, there's the, the Jersey, Ashire, Brown Swiss, Milking, Shorthorn, um, Guernsey, and the Holstein. Okay. And your, your top ones for likelihood at 80% are the Jersey and the milk and shorthorn followed by the, the Guernsey and Brown Swiss at like 70%. So, I mean, more likely than not your, your Brown cows will be a two. Uh, I personally have owned an a two Holstein. So they, they do exist. They're, they're a little bit of unicorns right now. But you are seeing it more and more because people are aware of this genetic mutation. So, you know, people that have an uh, A1 Holstein are breeding it to an A2 bull to 50% likely to have a A2 calf. So okay. you can breed out in the generation A1. the A1. Okay. Yes. So say I'm going to look because this is kind of hypothetical, but probably just a little bit future down the road. Mm -hmm. If I'm like, okay, we're going to get another milk cow and I want to make sure that it's A2A2. Is yeah. there like some type of registry other than I'm sure on the AI, if you're looking, you know, for artificial insemination that you could probably filter that way. But is there like a registry for A2A2 um, dairies or sources, both if I wanted to find A2A2 milk, but mm -hmm. also breed wise, like if I wanted to buy an A2A2 milk cow, how would I ensure that? So really your best sources are 
rawmilk.com or okay. I think it's getrawmilk.com and those will show raw dairies. And again, if their cows are A2, they're going to put that right in their statement. You know, mine says um, something like Millhorn Farmstead raw A2, A2 certified Jersey milk. Okay. So it's the certified that you're looking for. Um, I say certified because uh, in order to figure out if your cow is A2 or A1, you will want to take a DNA sample. Okay. And so I send that DNA sample to UC Davis, and then they send me the certificate that says the cow is without the A1 genetic. And there's like, there's actually like 15 different types of A1 and A2. But in all in all, it really equals A1 or A2. You know, there's a one B and and C and E, but it's either they either have the the mutation or they don't. Okay, so when you say a DNA sample, is it always blood? Mm -hmm. Is it a hair follicle or milk? You can Could you, you can do both. Okay, yeah, you can. Um, the easiest way, and you know, it's perfect for backyard farmers, hobby farmers. Um, if you've got one cow, two cow, you know, I've got a giant herd of cow, and I still test this way. Uh, you just at what's called that tail switch. So where the tail is is really hard, you know, then right where the, the the hair starts coming out, right? You just grab, you need 25 follicles and you just kind of twist it a little bit and you just pull up and you just grab a chunk of hair from the tail and then you, you know, fill out a form on UC Davis and mail it in there. And within like 15 days, they send you everything you need to know. Okay. It, it's not, it's really cost effective. It's like 25 bucks. Um, and when it, you're purchasing a cow, I won't purchase it, even though they claim it's A2. Um, I pull tail hairs before I even trade any type of money. It's just like, I only want A2 on my farm. My customers rely on me to have A2 on my farm. So it's, I mean, it's so easy. It's just one simple thing to not regret a purchase. No, that's really good. And it's funny because we just bought a which I'm curious because I know you had them too, but you don't milk them. Scottish Highlands. Mm -hmm. um, we got a bull and the guy that we bought him from thought that the owner had done the tail switch yeah, and sent it in to get his registration papers. And so he was telling him, I need you to transfer ownership to us. Um, and he's like, oh, I didn't actually grab the sample. Like here's the form and here's all the info on his heritage, oh. but I need you to grab the tail switch, which... When we bought him, I thought, well, if he is registered, like that's great because eventually we'll sell him, you know, once we've got, you know, enough breeding down mm -hmm. the line that we wouldn't want him back breeding to any of his um, granddaughters, et cetera. Um, but I've never tail switched before. And I'm like, is he going to kick me? Like, how, like, does it hurt? Or is it usually, are they pretty docile or, or like keep uh, a good swing radius? You know, sometimes, like, I think it just startles them. I try to, I try to brush them with like a, a curry comb. So okay. like they're having quite the bit of stimulation, you know, so they know that I'm messing around. They know that, you know, I might not be overly gentle and then I do it. So it's not like you're just walking up to a sleeping cow and just yank out a chunk of its tail, you know, you might get I, it I let them know, like I let her know she's there. And, you know, with the Scottish Highlanders, so more likely than not, unless there is some type of crossbreed, they are A2. Okay. That, so, and that was where I was yep. going with that. Okay. Yes. And in, in my dairy, I no longer run dairy bulls. They're mean, they're aggressive. Um, I don't, I don't want to around my, my, my children. And so I only run Scottish Highlander bulls to breed my dairy cows and we get fluffy little A2 babies and they're perfect for, you know, 
the a dual purpose. If you have uh, a bowl, then I mean, their Jersey meat is delicious. Like people knock it because it's not a, a standard Angus or a Herford, but it is delicious. It's really fork tender. And then you add the Scottish Highland in there and it's twice as good. It's super marbled, you know, and as far as, you know, if you're looking for a, a good family homestead cow, really the crossbreed between a dairy and a Scottish Highlander is, is ideal, especially in the Pacific Northwest. You know, while you might not get the high milk production, higher milk production of a dairy cow, you also don't have the scrawny body type of a dairy cow, which goes really well with our hard winters. You also have the yeah. more fur to keep them warm and they're not as picky about their feed. You know, uh, Scottish Highlanders in general are foragers and, you know, we're dairy cows. They are picky. They are the most high maintenance women on the face of the planet. And then you, you, you combine those two and, and you got one that is not a very wasteful cow. Like they're, they're pretty self-sufficient. Okay. Two questions. Mm-hmm. One, butter fat. Yes. Because usually Jersey is known for having a higher butter fat overall. Mm-hmm. Than than like Holstein and some of your other breeds mm-hmm. and and if you're into you into butter and cream which oh, yeah. I am hallelujah I really like that mm-hmm. but I was reading that the Scottish Highlands have even a higher butter fat than the Jersey have you ever milked any of your Scottish Highlands not not pure okay. um, mostly because my milking parlor is not set up for their horns. For the I do horse. not de- yeah, I do not dehorn them. I think that's part of their beautiful nature, so I leave that all attached. And there's no way to get them into my head shoots. <laughs> but the the Highland jerseys, they're a little they still have that jersey curl, you know, so they can kind of maneuver their way in there, but the thing with having the the jersey Highland with horns and then jerseys without horns is those that have horns know they have horns and they use them against them. So I try to recommend to people, if you're going to have horned cattle, then have horned cattle. If you're going to have dehorned cattle, then, then do that. Try not to intermix them because they do beat each other up and you'll, you know, your cows scar and they get um, hematomas in their, they're just, it's just something you shouldn't inter intermingle. Okay, that's good to know because we are going to move some of our Ingus herd down to the farm stay where the Scottish Highlands are, mm-hmm. but we could definitely cross, you know, cross fence and keep separate paddocks yeah. for each of the herds. I will run my Herefords. I've got a couple Herefords that I will run with the Scottish Highlanders because they are twice their size. These are the biggest girls I've ever seen. They're like mammoth cows. They're like you know, the old ox from 7,000 years ago, like they're big girls. Okay. But they, and they hold their own. If they okay. were, if they were weekly or um, young, smaller, I would not put them in there. Okay. That's good to know. So don't yeah. put the yearlings in, but maybe some of our big, probably in my real, I got one head herd boss, Angus oh, yeah. right now. And yeah, she lets, you, so she probably would do okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good to know. Um, and part of me is like, I know some of my Scottish Highlands, they're due to start calving in August and September and I don't have a milk cow. Can <laughs> I milk that? There's a part of me that's like, can I milk it? Yeah. And I'm like super, t- we'll find, it depends on if I get, like you said, a head shoot because they're not tame. Yeah. We're working on gentling right mm-hmm. now. Um, I'll They'll eat out of my hand. They stay kind of on guard. Like they'll take a treat 
Yeah. Um, and I, while they're eating the treat, if there's another one there, I can scratch like under their chin, but You're I can't like there. pull on, yeah. you know, get in and truly pet them, pet them yet. Um, but I will be looking at head shoots actually. I'm really excited um, for the Modern Home Sitting Conference, which for those of you who don't know, Katie and Katie is my co-founder. Like we started the Modern Home Sitting Conference together and there is going to be a vendor there that has, you explain it because you actually talked to him before me, but it's a round pen with a head shoot, right? Yeah, it's called the the Homestead Package and it's an AeroQuip um, setup. And and they, you know, they'll, they'll be at conference, they will have cattle in there and they'll be able to work them and show you, you know, how to maneuver them in there. And um, I'm, them, I, I'm super excited. Well, anything cows, I'm super excited about. But and then um, cheese, cheese from scratch. Robin will be there and she'll be talking cows and um, making cheese. And of course, you know, I'm thinking I should bring a milk cow, you know, <laughs> which we might. Who knows where we end up with that? But um, yeah. So with the round pen one, this one has a head shoot that's part of the round pen, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's a. Yep. I was trying to explain it to Clay and I'm like, you'll get a seat at conference because I know with the, the Highlands, because they're not tame yet. And I'm also, sorry, we, this whole podcast episode was supposed to be about A2A2, but once yeah. we start talking cows, like watch <laughs> out, cause Katie and I can go all day long. Um, and she's had Scottish Highlands where I've not had that breed before and they're not completely tame yet. So I'm kind of praying that they all have heifers because if they have bulls, obviously we're going to ban them. We're not going to keep them as bulls. Mm -hmm. um, and But they have horns. We All of our cows, none of our existing herd have horns. So when we go to grab babies to ban, to castrate, um, you know, you can just have someone standing between you and baby and telling mama it's okay and you're good to go, but she doesn't have horns to come at you. So with your experience with the Scottish Highlands, are are they more aggressive when you're dealing with their babies? Like if you have to band or how? My Mine are not. Um, my my Highlands are so docile. And, you know, there's there's a few that are that are more than the others. You know, there's several that we can go brush and they want scratches. And there's some that they don't, I don't bother them, but they're not like, oh, yay, snack ladies here, you know? So there, you know, there's a few that I'm like, I could probably milk you. And there's, you know, even even now we just got done with, with calving out our, our highlands. I think we had 20, 20 some calves. And we banned in the field, you know, with, we don't, this year we didn't have to, to rope any, we didn't have to, um, to use horses at all. We just, just me and, and my farmhand Tegan on foot, you know, grab calf and ear tag it, band it. And mama's just like, you know, she's eating hay. She's happy. She, she knows that, that we're not going to harm the baby because we've never harmed anything you know, down there. Like we're not, we're not a threat to them because we're there every single day. My kids are down there every single day. You know, it's not, they're not like, oh, there's that scary woman that brought her dogs and, you know, they're biting on my, like they, they know we're not a threat. So they actually, you know, their calves are, they're probably easier to work in honesty than my Jersey calves. Like the Jersey mamas are, are pretty feisty. And when we have to, to take those calves or work the calves or band them, like, I'll actually put the gator, the John Deere gator between the calf and mama. 
just in case I need to hop in because some of them are just darn mean, you know? Yeah. We actually, when you were talking about dairy bowls, I don't know if I, did I tell you the story about the dairy bowl last week that was in our, got loose in our neighborhood? No. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, okay. We've got a little bit of time, but then I do actually have a couple of questions. I'm going to circle us back to the A2A2. Yeah. 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 So I got a call from one of my neighbors and he's like, can you hear me? I have laryngitis oh, on no. the phone. And I'm like, yeah, I like, I'm making out what you're saying. It's okay. And he's like, well, I was just calling to let you know that you're Highlands because they're at our farm stay and it's a half mile down the road from us, but I can't visually like see my herd from our house. Mm -hmm. And so he lives across the street, which is great to have neighbors that keep an eye on your place. So he said, the neighbors two pastures back from you, their cows are out. And I'm like, okay. And he said, but the bull is really aggressive. And I'm oh, like, oh, okay, they have a bull. And mm -hmm. obviously we have a bull. I'm like, okay. And uh, he said, and they're right next to your fence line right now. They were in my yard, but now they've moved and they're looking across the fence at your cows and they're just kind of staring off right now. I'm like, okay. He's like, but that boar's so aggressive. And he says, boar. So first he said bull and then I yeah. heard boar, but he has laryngitis and I'm not, I'm like, I just sure. must be hearing things, right? I'm like, okay. So he said, I'm not coming out of my house right now because it, that's how aggressive it was oh, in our no. yard. And I'm like, oh gosh. And I said, okay. So I, um, I'm like, all right. So I get in the truck and I grab my pistol and I'm like, well, I'm just going to drive down and see, but I'll stay in the truck, mm -hmm. you know, just, but I got to see what's going on. So I get down there and they're at the, from where the driveway is where I can actually get the truck. They're at the opposite end of the field and they're looking through their fence at where our highlands are. And my bull, mm -hmm. of course is standing there, you know, the ladies are behind him, but nobody's doing anything. And from a distance, there was a, there was three cows and I'm like, boy, that's a real small bull. You know, I'm, I'm used to, yeah, yeah. I'm used to the, Beef. you know, our big Angus and Hereford bulls. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, there's some meat there. And I'm like, boy, I'm like, I don't know if that's actually a bull. It has horns. I think he just saw horns and thought it was a bull. Sure. Well, then all of a sudden it starts like tossing hay and grass. I mean, just showing off big old fit and it turns and I get a better look at it. And I'm like, oh, it's a dairy bowl. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> like, run. It, it's a bull, but it's a dairy bowl. <laughs> it's a short horn dairy bowl. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, this is, this adds a little bit more complexity to this, to the story. So I'm like, I'm not getting out with that thing. They are loco. And then, yeah, they are. Yeah. And so he, then he starts to turn. It looks like he's going away from my fence line back up his driveway, which is long. And I'm like, oh, great. He's going to take his ladies and go home. Nobody's fighting through the fence. Mm -hmm. I'm good. So I had to go pick up a 12 baby ducklings that had just landed at the post office. So I'm like, I'm going to go get my baby ducks and then I'll come back and check. But they're on their way. They're leaving. All's going to be fine. So I go get my baby ducks and I'm coming back around. Our post office is just a couple miles from our house. And my other neighbor calls me as I'm just hitting our road. And she's like, um, have you heard about the, the bull that's out? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, but it looked like he was going back home. She's like, no, I'm standing in the road right now. And they're now in the yard of your farm stay. Thankfully we didn't have any guests that day. Um, but they're at the fence line again with your cows, but they're actually in your yard now. And I'm like, okay. I said, well, I'm, I'm almost there. I said, it's a dairy bull. Please don't get close. Cause she's yeah. lovely, but doesn't know anything about cows much yet. Yeah. And she's like, oh, okay. So I get there. And they're in my yard, but there's also like this 600 pound, huge pig with them. There was oh a boar gosh. and a bull. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
And like, you can't be making this stuff up. No. So then you've got, um, there's a, another, um, there's a CSA farm there. And so you have the farm workers and they've got these big sticks because these cows were trying to get Mm -hmm. in the fields where they were working and this bull is aggressive and it's coming at them. So thankfully they were smart. You know, they got these big branches to, to fend them off, but they're pushing them the opposite way of what their driveway and home field is. Cause they're just trying to get them away from it. They didn't know where they Mm -hmm. came from. So I'm like, okay, I'm like, everybody, you see that black that black one, that's a bull. And you need to make sure you stay really far away from it. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of going over everything I said, but we need to drive them back the other way. We've got to go in our field and get around them to push them back. Cause right now you're, you're taking them further and further away from home. They're like, okay. So I throw them in the back of my truck and we're, you know, cowboy and we're going to get them. Well, the sheriff got called because the owners, for whatever reason, um, she wasn't able to come out and help get the cows back. Yeah. And you've got them in all these people's yards and whatnot. So the sheriff comes driving up two sheriffs and he gets out and I, you know, I meet him and I've got my, I got in one hand, which I'm totally <laughs> licensed and, you know, all of the proper stuff. And then I've got a long stick in the other. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I'm like, Hey, how you doing officer? And he's like, well, da da da. And I said, do you know anything about cows? And he's like, no. And I'm <laughs> no. like, okay. So mm-hmm. I fill him in, you know, and he's like, oh, and I said, you know, I said, I'm really sorry. I can't stay and help you anymore because I had a class I was supposed to be at in like 20 minutes and I have baby ducks in my truck. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, so good luck, um, you know, and went through stay away from that one, you know, keep mm-hmm. life birth, all the things. So five hours later, my husband Clay's coming home from work. It's been five hours. And he's, he's like, the sheriffs are still out there. He's oh, like, no. and there's, there's a meat truck now. And I'm like, they're still out there. I'm like, this has been over half the day. Yeah. And so I called my neighbor cause they were in, it was more her yard at that point than mine. And they, uh, that dairy bull attacked and gored someone's leg. And so yeah. they ended up putting it down, yeah. but I'm like, Oh my goodness. Um, so yes, to your story, dairy bulls mm-hmm. are just loco. So yeah, I think it's, yeah. Anyways, they, that was my cow excitement story. <laughs> you know, I used to, I used to be a really big bull snob, you know, and I sought out a A2 New Zealand Kiwi bull and I spent this ungodly amount of money on him. And I mean, he was little, little tiny and we called him Kiwi and, um, and he had all these fantastic genetics for, for my, my A2 herd I was growing and he was a bottle baby. And I was like, Oh, good. You know, being naive. Oh, a bottle baby. They're going to be twice as nice. I'll never have an issue with him. And they're the meanest things ever <laughs> like that. He tried to kill me. We ended up and ate him. He was delicious. It was fine. But there's, you know, there's this um, misconception that if you raise them bottled, then they are going to be nice because you're, you're the mother, you're the nurturer. And it's actually, it plays opposite where then you become um, a threat because you were dominant and now he wants to be dominant. Oh. So actually dairy bulls that are bottle raised are twice as, as angry and aggressive as ones that are raised by their mother. Yeah. Do you know why? I have no idea because I haven't researched it. Is there like a certain reason that dairy bulls are so much meaner or more aggressive than other breeds no. it seems, or it just it seems to just roll that way? 
It just seems to roll that way. And I have found that 18 month mark. I can keep a dairy bowl until literally like the day they turn 18 and then they're mean. And dairy bowls gain, when they gain a bunch of testosterone, their face turns really dark. And as soon as they hit that, that mark and their face starts to turn, they, they have to go, you know, they, you can hear, we, we used to milk at like four in the morning and during winter here, I mean, it's black as black to like seven 30. And in order to get the cows, we, you know, we're, they were in heat. So the bull is out there with them. And, you know, at four in the morning, we're going out there with this big spotlight looking for the cows because the cows are like, I don't want to get up. I'm, I'm still tired. So we have a flashlight in one hand and a bat in the other because we couldn't see the bull in the pasture full of cows, but we could hear him. And you can hear him like growling like, and you know, you're turning around and and looking for this bull, like trying to not get gorged, but trying to like wake up your sweet little dairy cow. You know, I'm like, come on, Sherry, it's time to milk. And then you can hear him somewhere, but you can't see him. And uh, eventually I was like, I, I don't trust them. I can't trust, you know, we do a lot of farm tours. You know, what if when those kiddos jump the fence, you know, he would charge right at the fence, come right at him and then stop short of the fence. And I'm like, what if he got out? I yeah. just, I couldn't do it. So now we run, you know, big, lazy highlands. And half the time when a cow's in heat, I have to encourage him like, come on, Norman, today's the day. And he's like, uh, let me, you know, eat some grass first. I'm like, you are the laziest cow I've ever met, laziest bull ever. <laughs> But yeah, longer are the days of me raising dairy cows. To me, it's just not worth it. If I wanted dairy genetics, I will AI them. I won't have another dairy cow. Yeah, dairy bull. Yeah, dairy bull. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yes, after I'd heard people say, you know, kind of just heard that Mm -hmm. the dairy bulls are crazy, but actually seeing that up close. um, Yeah, I'm with you. I'm like, no, thank you. No. Yeah. No. So back to the A2, A2 though. Mm-hmm. Um, so for somebody who is wondering, like, is that my, like has a problem with dairy or suspects that they do have sure. a problem with dairy. Right. And so they're wondering like, okay, I wonder if I am unable to process the A1 mm-hmm. and that's my problem. But if raw milk and A2, mm-hmm. then I would be good. Is, do you know, is there any, tests that you can take or it's just try the a2 and see how you react it, it really is as far as i know there are no tests um i would say 50 percent of my clientele is lactose intolerant and then probably another 35 percent are infants you know whose mother cannot breastfeed or chose not to breastfeed or they didn't want a formula um and and they're able to drink the a2 cow milk because human milk is naturally a2 so is sheep milk and goat milk so when you go to the doctor and you're like oh i'm lactose intolerant i'm having these things and he's like okay drink goat milk it's because it's naturally a2 you know so it's buffalo milk and camel milk and which now you're seeing on the market for camel milk which is funny but um there's really not a, a test and unfortunately you know you have destroyed the gut for years and years. And so some people will try A2 milk and A2, A2 milk, and then say, oh no, I still, I had gut issues or I got a rash. Well, you know, they didn't build Rome in a day. You cannot rebuild your gut flora with three sips of milk. You know, and I tell people like, give it 10 good days, take your time, like don't jug guzzle milk, 
you know, if you haven't, if you've been lactose intolerant for 20 years, don't do that. Take your time, rebuild the flora and, and it will come back. Um, the testimonies I have for the A2, A2 milk is, is absolutely, it's unreal. You know, um, I've been able to drink milk as a child, but now as an, as an adult, I can't, I've been getting rashes and, or I, you know, have bad gut health or this happens to me. And, um, so it's what I tell people, I'm like, you're not lactose intolerant. You're a one intolerant, you know, it's, it's causing issues in your digestive system. And, you know, I've got, I actually have lots of clients that have, um, their children have autism. And the thing with the A1 milk is they, a1, the BC, BCM7, is actually a morphine-like opiate, which can cross the blood-brain barrier, and that can cause behavior issues and neurological issues. So that's where lots of the, the autism parents come, and they're like, I have to try this other product because my, my child's having these issues. Is there anything else? You know, at, you're, you're looking you know, for things to heal, and, and we've got great success you know, on, on our farm with, with, with testimonies, you know. Um, but as far as, you know, testing, you really got to just got to give it that gut try. And, you know, I tell people, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to take it to a meeting and drink, you know, a jug of milk today, you know, take your time, make some yogurt, heal your gut. And, you know, it, you should get it back. Yeah. Do you think when someone's testing, to see if they can handle the A2A2, if they've been drinking the A1A1, would you recommend kind of like a, almost like a rest period so that that before trying the A2A2 or does it so, stay in the system very long? Cause you know, there's some things like you, you mm -hmm. consume and, and they can cause such a reaction that those inflammatory markers are there for mm -hmm. so many days post eating whatever the item was or consuming mm -hmm. it. So you can still be having reactions, um, but it's not what you're currently eating. It, it's just taking it that long to clear out of the system. And I have no idea if that's the case with milk. Too. I, I tell people that while they are adjusting to it, to focus on gut health, you know, the kombuchas, uh, sauerkraut, uh, fermented foods, yogurts, anything you can do to encourage positive growth in, in your gut. And, you know, don't, don't cold turkey it. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think I've ever told anybody to you know, stop and take a month off. I just, say, really reiterate, you know, let's focus on gut health while you, while you learn to, your body learns to digest dairy again. Yeah. And you guys, you, I know too, and I think this is an important part. There's the A2A2 and there's the raw and those really, when you have mm -hmm. those two together, becomes that powerhouse. Um, mm -hmm. it, but it really does. And yeah. you, you see now on the, in the market, um, there is what's called a2 milk and so as a dairy farmer i have to be really cautious about how i say a2 milk because it's actually trademarked and so oh. is the word a1 milk so as a producer legally i can't say a2 milk um oh. so yeah you gotta love consumers it's trade it's trade hold it wow is. it's trademarked yeah. okay sorry it that is. took so, me a minute to process yeah so and wow. in most grocery stores now you can find a2 milk and it's in a red carton red and white carton and it is a, a company out of new zealand uh it's owned by i believe frontera uh which is the largest traded dairy product in the world um but it is not raw 
So if you can drink pasteurized milk or you don't want to drink raw milk, there is alternatives that are commercially produced. Yeah. From a get health standpoint, though, I'm with you. It's the, the H2H with the yeah. raw and also with what the animal's being fed, because you can have raw H2A2 milk, but if they're being fed a primary GMO corn mm -hmm. grain-based diet, yeah, then you could still have issues with that as well. So yeah, it's kind of the whole package. Yeah, I, you can definitely, it, it makes the powerhouse, the A2 and the raw. And, you know, you can definitely have a reaction to what the cow is, is eating. And, you know, lots of people are, are really encouraging on, you know, oh, I can only have grass fed raw milk. Well, unfortunately, here in the Pacific Northwest, we only have 90 days of grass, if that. And what people don't know is, you know, when, when grass is green and it's lush, it's filled with beautiful sugar. And the cow can, they can eat that all day long and have no issues and, and don't need, you know, a grain supplement. And once that hay is cut and it's dried, the sugar actually begins to dissipate. And while the, the stomach of the cow is a giant fermentation vat, you know, you have to feed your sourdough and you feed your kombucha. It's the same with, with the cow. You have to make sure they have a, a carbohydrate to keep that rumen heavy or to operating. So, you know, you don't have to substitute with um, a, a GMO. It's just, that is what is commercially available. So if you go to the, you know, your farm supplier co-op, that, that is typically what they have. They're filled with corn, they're filled with soy or beet pulp. You know, I, my main base is a flaxseed. It's just got enough starch in it that it, it keeps that rumen happy. And, but I get mine locally milled because I have a specific clientele. I personally have a specific diet that I want my, my cows to follow and that, you know, my clients want my cows to follow. But, and if you have, you know, one cow, it's not easy to just go to a female and say, oh, mix me up 2000 pounds of special dairy feed. So it's easy to grab a bag from, you know, your, your farm supply, but it doesn't always have the best things in it. Yeah. And there are, I know, cause I have specifically sought out that you can find, not always at farm supply stores. That part is absolutely mm -hmm. right. But you can, if you're willing to do some online ordering or to really do mm -hmm. some shopping and you will pay more usually for it. Mm -hmm. um, but I have been able to find at least a GMO free version. Yeah of different, of different feeds, um, to bring in during the off season and curious about the sugar content mm -hmm. in haylage, because you have so much more moisture in mm -hmm. there, right. In, in the product, does that keep the sugar or does it tend to drop the same as dry hay or is it a little we bit can, higher in carbs? Do you know? I believe it's higher okay. and we, we don't have haylage. Um, unfortunately that's not something we have here. Um, I'm sure I could get it in. I know Anna of all trades is big on her, her chaffe. Um, but if I had something like that, I might not need to, to supplement. Um, the other thing that people need to consider is cows are not, cows are just like people. They are not one size fits all. So just because your cow, Mary Beth can have a grass fed only diet. That doesn't mean, you know, your cow Daisy can, they're just like humans. You know, your, your sister can eat only salads and she's perfectly perfect. And you eat only salads and your body's weak and your brain's not operating correctly. Not every cow is 
is exactly the same, even if they're they're related. Every cow needs a specific nutritional plan based on based on their structure and what they're producing, and if they're they're bred, and you know the nutritional value of the current ground below them. Yeah, no, I think that's really smart to say because oftentimes I know we can get excited. I get excited about grass fed, grass finished, mm-hmm. and that works great with our Angus. It works phenomenally well with Scottish Highland mm-hmm. as we just came off yeah. of winter, um, and the way they have ate the brush back. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. Go. They are. I could not yeah. believe it. They cleared some sections for us that we were going to have to go in and brush hog. And I'm like, oh, look at you guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. So anyways, totally another subject, but I think it's really important that we bring this up that yes, I mean, in an ideal world, grass fed and grass finished, mm-hmm. I do believe is the best way to go. But sure. having went through, um, losing clover mm-hmm. and and her not doing as well um on that even though we the vet did think there was some that she might have had can there that there's based upon her metabolic lab panels mm-hmm. there was more going on it wasn't that she wasn't getting the food something was going on with her ability to absorb it but regardless having went through that if your animal is not doing well mm-hmm. like you're saying on grass fed only then you have to make some adjustments yeah. to how they're being fed. And like, same thing, like I'm sure you probably have experienced this too is, you know, I had horses and some of them did phenomenal during the summer, but you would say, man, they're a hard keeper in the winter. And mm-hmm. I, the same thing with the cows, like some of them are just going to require more or in addition things when the weather's really nasty, which here in the West, especially the Northern West where you and I are, I mean, it, that's a real thing. Yeah. Our weathers are so harsh. Yeah, they, they are. And there's, you know, you're hay feeding for 10 months and, yeah. and it's expensive. And, but every, every cow needs its own nutritional plan. You know, it's, it's just like people, but yeah. we, we fail. We're like, Oh, it's a cow. Like they're, they're very different. Yeah. You know, amongst the breeds. Well, I know you and I could talk for hours about cows mm-hmm. because we certainly <laughs> have. <laughs> Uh, but I wanted to thank you uh, so much for taking time out today because I know that you have got some babies that are supposed to hit the ground with some pregnant I, mamas today. I do. We are in in Jersey Jersey calving week. It is the happiest week, and cheers to milk supply going up and little fresh babies. And I just cannot wait. So yes, I need to head back to the pasture and check my mamas. Yes. Yeah, so thanks for coming on and. For all of those of you who are listening and watching, if you haven't grabbed your tickets yet to the Modern Home Sitting Conference, you still have time. We would love to see you there. And hopefully you will get to see some milk cows in action. I know we're going to have milk goats, but we're hoping mm-hmm. to have a milk cow on site too. So we look forward to seeing you there. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. As I shared, when Katie and I get to talking about cows, you never know where the conversation may lead. And I got so excited with uh, telling stories and just all of the things that we were talking about that I forgot. I normally, you'll notice if you've been listening for a while, when I do an interview, I always ask the guest where people can best follow along with them if they want to go further. And of course, if you come to conference which you can get tickets at modernhomesteading.com. We hope to see you there in person. But Katie is at Millhorn Farmstead 
com, as well as on Instagram and Facebook under Milhorn Farmstead. So we will make sure that we link to those in the blog post beneath the video description so you can check that out and see all of Katie's wonderful cows, including hopefully pictures of those Jersey babies that crossed with the Scottish Highland Bowl that should be hitting the ground. She was heading out to check um, right when we got done with this interview. So any day now, and this episode is going live within just a few days of us recording it. So if you follow along there with her social, I know you'll get to see some fun baby calf pictures. Now on to our verse of the week. We are in Romans chapter eight, and this is the amplified translation of the Bible. And we're in Romans chapter eight and actually reading through verse 31. We are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. For those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning for dating them to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness, that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he thus ordained, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, acquitted, made righteous, putting them into right standing with himself. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity and a condition or state of being. What then shall we say to all this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? And I have to say that is one of, and I probably say this every week when I share the verse of the week, this is one of my favorite passages. But really, this is one of those passages of scripture that that I go to when I need to be reassured. So if I'm going through a rough time or there's a hard situation, knowing that no matter what it might look like, God's word and promise says that as long as I love him and am seeking him and his will, that he is going to work out things and is fitting together a plan for my good. And then the verse 29 and really even 39, but especially 29 is remembering if I start to get a little cocky <laughs> that God called me for every single one of us that are saved and a believer in Jesus Christ or feel like God is, is tugging at you and you're starting to walk down that path to having a relationship with him and reading the Bible and all of that. None of that is because we just, let me rephrase that. It is because we decided, right? You God gives us free will. So we have a choice whether or not we're going to follow him, but it's because he first called us. And that's kind of amazing to think that God called each one of us. He has been coaxing us and calling us, and it's not because of our own strength or anything that we did. It's because he loves us and he has been calling us to his side. And that tends to take a lot of pressure off of myself and puts my focus back on where it should be, which is on God. 
And that also, if he called us, which he did, because his word says, and God cannot lie, and his word is always true, then he has justified us, right? Through right standing with Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And when we confess Jesus as our savior and come of, under that blood sacrifice that Jesus's death gave us to wash away our sins, we are put into right standing because we are under that covenant of Jesus, which means that we are justified and glorified through that. And so therefore, God is for us. Who can be against us? If you, if you sit and think about that, if you're in a place of worry or anxiety or an uncertainty, which can be very easy to reach those places in today's world, right? But if you just sit and meditate on that, if God is for you, who can be against you? Nobody is bigger than God. Nothing is bigger than God. And he is for you. He is fighting your battles, even if you don't see it, or even if you don't feel like it, he is warring for you and he is for you. So it doesn't matter who or what tries to come against you. Ultimately, they cannot succeed because God is for you and there's nothing bigger than God. And that, that alone brings me so much comfort. And sometimes I need to be reminded of it because I am human. And sometimes I can let my mind drift to places of, you know, anxiety and worry and all of those things. But what a powerful verse. If God is for us, who can be against us? So I would love to wrap up our episode with that bit of scripture and reminder to you as well as to myself. And I hope that I get to see you in person at conference. And if not, or if so, Either way, I will be back here with you next week on our next episode of the Pioneering Today podcast. <music>